everybody, and welcome back. It is a jam-packed episode of the Jack Wagon Sports Podcast here on the Jack Wagon Sports Network. It is the once-weekly, never-weekly show. Um, we're down a member today. Uh, lost, lost a comrade to work. Um, pussy. Anyway. <laughs> just sad about, I don't know, something. I mean, he's a better man than I am because he, he put his two weeks in and he's still going. So uh, shout out to Slade. Um, if I even put my two weeks in, you're lucky to get it. If I even think about putting two weeks in, I just, yeah, I right. just stopped going. Just uh, know that I, it wasn't a terrible job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like we said, we had a action-packed weekend uh, from racing to basketball to hockey to golf. Uh, so we have a lot to talk about, and we're going to talk about it all with you guys. Uh, just dive right into it. We finally have the NBA Finals all set up after the Celtics Heat Game 7. Um Nick, real quick, before we get into the finals, what were your thoughts on Game 7? Uh, I believe Game 5 wrapped up before. No, no, I think we had just talked about Game 5, and then it wrapped up. But everybody knew the Warriors were going to win. But what, what were your thoughts on Game 7? Uh, and, and real quick. Um, game 6 and 7, both the Heat you know, definitely put up more of a fight than I thought they were going to. We had talked about, you know, Butler's injury and what that was going to do, and mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty sure we weren't even sure if he was going to play Game Six at that time. Um, but nonetheless, took it seven games. Um, you know, both of those teams are fighters, and Boston just kind of like it seemed um, in the Milwaukee series as well. Boston just wanted it more. You can tell yeah. Boston's got that chip on their shoulder. Um, mm-hmm. They feel like they should have been in this position. Um, you know, a couple years out of the last couple so um it, it's it's gonna be a fun one yeah uh it was yeah like you said game six and seven were great um game six the heat came out you could tell they meant business uh i think it was the night before Draymond green was talking a little shit saying oh you know like we can't wait to play boston there's all this other stuff so the heat, the heat came out and you know they had that chip on their shoulder and they played really well uh dominated just about the whole game i would say uh then you go to game seven and you could tell from the jump, Boston was the better team, but the Heat were just able to control the pace of play a little bit better. Um, Boston missed a couple big shots. I mean, they, they could have easily pulled away by more at halftime, and it felt weird. They were only up, I think, like eight. And I was like, this is, this is a team that should be winning by like 20 points right now, <laughs> if not 30. Um, but Miami did a great job of, of keeping themselves in it. Boston started to pull away a little bit to start the second half, but here come the Heat again. They get within one. Uh, you know, Butler goes down and misses that shot. Everybody was giving him shit for it, and he's like, listen, and I don't blame him for taking it, but he was like, my teammates felt comfortable with me taking that shot. I was wide open, and I wanted to go for the win, so that's what I did. And I don't blame him one bit at all. Um, there's nobody else on that team I would have trusted with shooting the ball. Uh, you know, controversial overturn three late in the game, too. Didn't help, but – uh, nonetheless, I, it was a great game, but there's only so much one person can do. Um, you know, we, we've seen that with so many teams now. Is especially, like one person comes to mind is LeBron. When LeBron won his one championship in Cleveland, he had, you know, love love did play a part, but it was more Kyrie helping him a lot too. And then every other year, when it was LeBron by himself, he he wasn't able to, to do it. So that's kind of what we saw with with Miami. And again, it's a recurring story. They made it to the finals a few years ago, but you know, you could argue this playoffs were weird, um, but Tyler Hero at least you know stepped up and was a big part of that. Um, they had to, ha- they had a couple guys try to step up. 
Uh, in game seven, they just weren't able to, and it was Butler all on his own. And usually when it's that, it's, it's really hard to uh, to win, especially in a seven-game series. Um, you know, listen, I love Kyle Lowry. He's a former villain of Wildcat, but that man is should get an A-plus for acting. Uh, he should win an Oscar. The, the fakes he was putting out there with the flops and everything. Um, yeah, it, you know, like I said before, I'm kind of a Boston fan. You know, like I'm not super into basketball, but um, I was rooting for them, so it was good to see them win. But moving on, Celtics, Warriors. Uh, Warriors will have home court advantage um, in this seven-game series. Real quick, we'll get Slade's thoughts here. Uh, Slade picked Golden State in six, uh, which I, I feel is, is a great – it's going to be really hard to pick a winner here. I mean, it was for me anyway. Um, but he takes Golden State in six. Uh, Nick, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, we talked about it a little bit before the show here. Um, this is – I mean, you look at – let's just focus on Golden State side of the bracket for a second. I'd say they had a pretty dominant run in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I don't think that – yeah, they haven't played a game seven yet. Um, but if you look at kind of the way the games went down, um, they definitely showed some signs of weakness. And mm-hmm. you look at, you know, their three titles that they got a few years back, um, There's that playoff Golden State team didn't really show a whole lot of signs of weakness. Um, you know, they got – they lost that big blowout uh, to the Grizzlies without John Morant. Um you know, and, and there were a few other times where you're kind of like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Uh, now I know, you know, Curry had his injury and stuff like that. But nonetheless, it's not even though to some outsiders, like I was actually talking to a guy at work today and he was like, oh, Golden State's too good. They're on fire. Um, they're going to run away with this. I don't know about all that. This is yeah. this is not the same uh, shooting wise. You know, they, they kind of look the same. They can put up some points. Um, but. Uh, I, I personally don't think it's the same Golden State team. They they look good. Don't get me wrong. Um, I had a hard time deciding. But um, first of all, this is the first time, I want to say since 1996, I believe I read on ESPN, um, that the top two rated defenses in the regular season are facing off in the finals, um, which uh, honestly was kind of a huge shock to me. I knew Golden State, you know, played some good defense, uh, especially Gary Payton the third or second third regular 20th second second. i think he's second second yeah yeah. (laughs) um you know if if he comes back i I believe they're working him back into the team practices this week so hopefully for their sake he should be back Um, you know but he kind of made his role in that team as being the guy who can defend the other team's best player Um, and on the flip side with boston's defense we've talked about it ever since the playoffs started um obviously they're the number one ranked defense and I had also read this. They this will be the first time in the playoffs that the Warriors will face a team that actually prefers to switch the majority of the time, um, which a lot of people might not think is a big deal. Some people might say, "Oh, well, if they're switching, that gives shooters more time to shoot." But the way that Golden State plays, <clears throat> it'll it'll disrupt them a lot more than what a lot of people think. And if you look at the regular season series, uh, it was split one one. And the win that Golden State got was only by, I believe it was four points. Um, So I think a lot of people are going to be, if they're not already on the Boston bandwagon, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised by how well Boston plays in this series. Um, Key for Boston, obviously Jason Tatum. 
Um, there's plenty of people on that team that can step up. We've seen Smart do it, Horford do it. But facing this Golden State team, Jason Tatum is going to have to play like a superstar every single night. As far as Golden State, obviously, you know, being able to find that rhythm, get into their, you know, their shooting form like they like to do, and be able to score points because Boston knows how to score points too. Um, with all that being said, my pick is Boston in six. I wanted to say seven. Game seven was in Golden State. I couldn't let it go to game seven, so I'm saying Boston. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you had some great points there. Um yeah, like you said, they have played twice this year. Uh, Boston won the last meeting, uh, 110 to 88. Uh, and their first meeting was just before Christmas. Golden State won that 111 to 107. Um, but again, this Boston team before the All-Star break, before even Christmas, was a team that you didn't think was even going to make the playoffs this year. They, they were struggling. Everybody said it was time to break up Tatum and Smart. And, you know, that experiment had failed. Uh, and here they are, they're, they're sitting in the finals. Uh, I think Smart summed it up best. He put out a tweet the other day. He's like, you know, some people said, you know, split and we stayed. And I was like, that's that's kind of cool. Wait till you win. But, you know, yeah, like it's, it's not nonetheless, it's monumental for them to, to get to this point from where they were earlier in the season. Um, did the stats real quick. So up to this point, uh, Boston has played 18 games, uh, Golden State 16. Um, Boston is, is averaging 107.11 points per game uh, and giving up 100.83 uh, points per game. Golden State is aver averaging 114.5 points per game uh, and giving up 102.94 points, points per game. Um, the way I look at it from, from that statistic standpoint is I feel like the East Eastern Conference had had a lot tougher defenses and you know, Boston had to grind a lot more. I mean, we saw that, uh, like I said, they played 18 games. They went back-to-back seven-game series. Um, and really, Golden State's points per game allowed is so high because of, like you said, the, the one game where they lost by, like, 40 uh, to the Grizzlies, even without John Morant. Um, this is – I feel this goes seven games regardless. Um, the reason why is, like, the, these teams know how to battle back and forth. Like you said – uh, Golden State has had chinks in their armor, and they've showed that this year. But um, every every time we look at them, like, oh, you know, they might be done. Uh, you know, we we watch this team. John Morant gets knocked out. We're like, okay, Celtics, or excuse me, Golden State's gonna run away with this. Like we just said, give up forty points and or lose by forty points in a, in a game to a team without their superstar. Uh, now you can say, oh, you know, they thought they were gonna walk over, whatever. Nonetheless, it's really hard to lose by 40 points in the playoffs and, yeah. and, and bounce back from that. Uh, and that's what they did. And I think they won by like 20 the next night. Uh, and again, this is a Celtics team where uh, you think back to the Heat series. They were up by 20 points in game one. They blow that and they lose. And there was uh, multiple times throughout the series where they had decent leads. And, you know, think back to game seven last night. Um, again, they were up at 20 points at one point. And here comes Miami and they're down by three all of a sudden. Um, so I, I have this going seven just because both teams know how to counter counter punch and, and just throw haymakers and it's going to be wild. Um, I, so I have Boston in seven. And the, the biggest reason why is I think Golden State has done a great job of guys coming off the bench and helping. Um, but I think Boston just does a little bit better job of that. Um, Golden State has a big three. They got Draymond, Clay, and Steph. 
Uh, I would say Draymond's like on the verge of falling out of that. He's more an anti, an, an, he's more of an antagonizer right now. Uh, you know, he's not going out there putting 20 points up in a game, uh, not a ton of rebounds, stuff like that. Um, I feel like Boston's big three and their bench is a little bit more well-rounded. And like I said, I think they just kind of bounce back with the punches a little bit more. They've had home court advantage in one series so far. And, um, you know, that doesn't even matter. That's the series they swept. So this is a team that can go on the road and win game sevens. We've seen that twice now. Um, and they beat really good teams along the way. I just feel like they're – I mean, and they might be tired. Golden State's had a, had a few days rest now. Uh, that's an advantage to them. But um, th- th- these are both teams that aren't going to give up. So I have it going seven, and I have Boston in seven. Um, you made a good point there I just wanted to touch mm-hmm. on about yeah. the benches. Um, you think about, you know, that three, four-game stretch uh, against Milwaukee that, that Tatum struggled. And just in comparison, if the if Golden State and Milwaukee had played a seven-game series, if Curry had struggled like that, I don't know if the Warriors now, obviously, um, you know, Jordan Poole has played well, especially without Curry. Um, but to have your your top superstar, you know, struggle like that and the team to still be able to rally against a team who, quite honestly, if it was Milwaukee in this situation instead of Boston, I'd probably still be picking Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, so I think that was a great point that you touched on. there. Yeah. And I feel like that's that's most of the teams in the playoffs. Like I like we just touched on if the Heat are playing the Bucks. And Jimmy Butler has an off an off night, let alone four nights. Yeah. Uh, Milwaukee sweeps that series. Um, so yeah, but I, I really feel like Tatum has found his groove, uh, and you know he's scoring more points per game. He's he's becoming the a better well rounded player, the kind of player that we got used to seeing in the regular season. Um, so I, I think that's just another. And again, even if he struggles, I feel like Boston is just a more well rounded team. Um, like we said, Golden State obviously has great players. Pool, uh, if they get Gary Payton back, um, that'll be huge. But I, I just feel like all around, Boston's just – I don't want to say a step above, but just like a hair ahead of them. The only thing that I, that I see helping Golden State the most is just experience at this point. Um, obviously, you know, this is a team that's been to finals multiple times. They've had a rough two years here with, with Curry and Clay being hurt and all that stuff. Um, so – if it comes down to experience, yeah, I'm going to say Golden State, but I just think more well-rounded, I'm going to take Boston. Also, real quick, shout-out to Al Horford. I think it was like 114 playoff games without a finals appearance, which is like the most ever, and so he finally gets his finals appearance. So good for him. And, um, and with that being said, um, you talk about the experience. Golden State has three three-time champions, not three-time final appearances, three three-time champions, and Boston – at least off the top of my head, hasn't does not have a player unless maybe on their bench, um, who's been in the finals. So this is also I, I think it's like seventy some years now that a player that is either on the Knicks or is formerly played for the Knicks is now playing in the NBA finals. And I, I just thought that was a funny stat. But <laughs> uh yeah, I really want to say it was like seventy some years it's going on now. Uh, I heard that the other day. Uh, but enough about the NBA. Uh, we like hockey a lot more, so we're going to talk a little hockey now. Um, unfortunately, I had Carolina in seven. That didn't happen. Uh, I believe you – I think your original pick was you took Carolina in seven, and then when we, like, re-talked about it, I think you switched to the Rangers. But either way, and I know Slade had the Rangers too. Um, 
So the Rangers blow the barn doors off of Carolina in game seven. Uh, not something I saw coming. I saw being a lot closer. Um, so your thoughts on that series, and then we're going to talk about the conference finals in the East and West real quick. Uh, so your thoughts on game seven, and then let's just roll right into uh, you taking the Rangers or are you taking the Lightning? Yeah, so uh, again, game seven, huge surprise um, to an extent. And I say that because I didn't imagine that game going that way. Right. But if you look at the way that both teams have kind of played <laughs> the playoffs, New York has had that edge and that bite to them where Carolina seemed um, complacent mm-hmm. at times. Um, so, uh, again, bigger picture, not necessarily a surprise, but, you know, in the moment, definitely did not see it going down like that at all. Um, and as far as the series coming up, this was another tough one. Um, you know, I've doubted Tampa Bay this entire playoffs, and they keep um, – not that I've been, you know, a hater or nothing. I, I just felt like, you know, they've been outmatched. But they've proven, like I believe you had said last week, uh, why they're back-to-back champions and looking to go for uh, the three-peat. However, um, you know, obviously New York's gone to two game sevens now. You know, your first thought might be, oh, well, they might be less rested, tired, and all this stuff. Um, But quite honestly, watching that game seven and the way it went down, I didn't see it at all. (laughs) Um, You know, they came out, how they pretty much come out every game, win or lose. And that's, we're going to come out here, we're going to punch you in the mouth, and you're going to know that, you know, we're playing against you. And arguments aside about cleanness and dirtiness and all that, but. Um, they're going to come out and hit you, plain and simple. And Tampa Bay, you know, to me, in my eyes, is kind of more of that, that finessery, you know. They don't have, say, Connor McDavid going down the ice and swirling around three people and going top shelf. But, you know, as far as teamwork goes, you know, they're not – they don't have that you know, go out and hit you kind of style. And I think that that's going to be the Rangers' uh, upside in this series. I think that they're going to be able to kind of impose their will physically. Um, I I don't think New York's going to dominate by any means. Um, Both of these teams are going to fight their asses off. Uh, Tampa Bay wants that three-peat. They've shown that since the beginning of the playoffs. You know, Rangers, um, New York in general, even with bad teams, just kind of have that mentality. Um, You know, but yeah, I can say this comfortably. This is probably the best team in New York right now. Um, so, and not just hockey and all sports. I'd think about it, but the Yankees have been awful. No, no, the Yankees have been pretty good. I, I guess, I don't know. I hear about... I, th- I think they're doing good because the attention's not on them right now. So, like, nobody's yeah, really talking yeah. about them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, nonetheless, uh, it's going to be a great series. I have it going to seven. And... New York has been pretty great in game sevens this year. So I'm going to go ahead and give it to New York. And seven. Yeah. Um, real quick. Slade uh, also took New York, but he took them in five, which is, I thought kind of surprising, but um, so far he's kicking her ass and picks somehow. Yeah. And uh, he did bring up a good point. I, I didn't look it up to see exactly what the record was, but he said, I, I have it right here. It, he said five and oh, they're three and oh. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, real quick, uh, they played three times this year. They are 3-0. and uh, 
Um, they won the first game 4-3 in a shootout. Uh, they won the next night, actually, 4 nothing, And then their last game, they played uh, New York 1-2-1. Um, so for me, this series, it comes, and the reason I'm saying in a good way, it comes down to good te- goaltending in a good way because we're going to talk about the other series here in a second. Um, <clears throat> Shesterkin is, is arguably the, the Vezina Trophy winner for this year. Uh, his, you know, in se- his regular season stats were just insane. Uh, next level, the reason why New York got to the playoffs. Um, in the playoffs, he has been really, really good at times. There's also been games, he got pulled twice against Pittsburgh. Um, and so he is definitely able to be shaken, uh, to, to say the least. Vasilevsky, um, you know, again, not a bad year. Like in all fear when, by his standards, but n- not a bad year in any way, shape, or form. He gets to the playoffs and he flips the switch. Um, I believe he has allowed one goal, or uh, maybe, or I can't remember if he, I know that his goals allowed averages below two in series clinching games or, or um, game sevens, whatever you want to call it. Um, so this is like, if you enjoy really good goaltending, this is a series that you want to watch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's going to be wild. It's going to be very hard for these teams to score. Uh, I give Tampa Bay an edge in that just because, and again, Obviously, Shesterkin has got a lot of work in the postseason, but um, I think this is the best goaltender by far the Rangers have played yet. Um, there's been a few nights where, you know, especially in the Pittsburgh series, they, they for some reason they couldn't figure out the backups. Uh, and maybe they need to play a, a starting goaltender uh, and they'll score even more. Who knows? Um, but I, I think Tampa Bay has a little bit better defense. Um, if you look at the, the goals allowed average, um, to like save percentages, Vasilevsky is a little bit more even, and that's because he's facing less shots in my mind, and that's because his defense does a great job of keeping that puck away from him. Um, with it being said, so in the playoffs, Shesterkin is at two point six eight goals allowed uh, a game and a point nine two eight save percentage. Vasilevsky is two point two three goals allowed uh, with a point nine three two save percentage. So again, just a hair better than Shesterkin. Uh, but I really feel like without those two really rough games in Pittsburgh, um, you know, his numbers are much better, but it, you know, it is what it is. Um, so while I am giving a slight advantage to Tampa Bay, I am actually, I'm going to take the Rangers in seven as well. Um, and the reason is we just talked about it with basketball. Is, they just don't have a quit. They, they have, they have no quit in them. Um, and you think back to the Pittsburgh series, they were down 3-1. In the last three games, they were losing in all three games, and they came back and won. Um, everybody wrote this team off against Carolina, said, oh, like you're facing a better team now. You're done. Um, they go out, and they have no quit. Um, real quick to Carolina, I don't know what the fuck their issue was. Um, right at the end of the Boston series, they announced Frederick Anderson was completely healthy, and he would be back for the Ranger series. He wasn't on their bench, and he never played. I don't know if he really wasn't healthy or, or what was going on there or if they decided to rest him. I don't know. But Ranta was just, unless he was at home, he was dog shit. And I don't know how you look at him going in the game, game seven, knowing how he's played, especially on the road. Yeah, he's had some great nights at home, but you need a goalie that's good at, at both. Like, you, you can't have one or the other. Um, and – I've I've Googled and looked and I see nothing about why Frederick Anderson was not in the lineup ever. 
Um, but unless he was still hurt, like he needs to be playing. He was your all-star goaltender. He was one of the best goalies in the league and you're not playing him. And for that reason alone, they deserve to lose last night. Um, but that is what it is. Um, and then real quick to the offense uh, for both of these teams, uh, Zibanejad and Adam Fox are fourth and fifth in postseason points right now with 19 and 18 points, respectively. Kucherov uh, for Tampa Bay is in sixth with 15 points. Um, so both of these offenses know how to put points on the board, but both of these goalies know how to stop the puck. Um, it's going to be a very interesting chess match, and I'm very excited to see. But, yeah, I'm going to take the Rangers in seven. Uh, also, I'm kind of pulling for them because maybe if I pick them to lose, who knows? I don't really want either team to win, to be honest, because uh, <laughs> I don't want Tampa Bay to get three cups in a row, uh, and I don't want the Rangers to win at all. But, um, yeah, but I, I really do think the Rangers, especially with having home ice, I think I'm just going to give them a slight edge overall in the series. Uh, so I'm taking them in seven. Uh, moving on, the Colorado Avalanche versus the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, just so you know, I'll give you the, the stats real quick on the season. Uh, they played three times as well. Uh, Colorado it has a 2-1 advantage. Uh, they lost 6-3 to and I believe, their last meeting. Uh, they won the other two meetings, 2-1 to and 3-2. to uh, Slade takes Edmonton in six. Um, but hey, he's coming in with the heat yeah, this week. But he he's stood like, by you know it. What, I'm not gonna be there. Yeah. So I'm gonna make it hot. Um, but yeah, real quick, let's get your thoughts on this and and, and what do you think? Who are you taking? Uh yeah, so first thought is um I believe I'd sent it to you. There was a video, I always forget his name, but uh the coach for Calgary. I love the man. I don't uh, know I Sutter. Heard. Sutter, that's it. I was thinking Sutton, but Sutter. Um they had asked him in the press conference after the last game if the best team won the series. And he said the best player won the series. And I mean, I love the man. And there's a lot of things he says that I just find hilarious. Um, and a lot of things like he, he dumbs it down a lot of times mm -hmm. because he likes to keep things simple. Um, but that was one thing that to be like, I, I agree that, um, you know, McDavid was, probably the best player on the ice. I won't argue with him on that. But especially when it comes to the playoffs, um, I feel like if you're – especially a team like Calgary that had, a, you know, a relatively good regular season, I'd say, um, you know, to go into the playoffs and to allow one person to beat you, um, you know, I, I, it just doesn't sit right with me. Um, especially – you know, a coach like him, he's got experience. Uh, you can't, like, whether it was play on the ice or coaching strategy or, you know, whatever the hell the situation might be, it, in my personal opinion, uh, the best team won. And, you know, maybe on paper Edmonton wasn't the better team, but they won the series. So the better team, in my opinion, won. Um, with that being said, uh, I believe we had touched on it last week. Um, I had, you know, I've had my ups and downs with Calgary uh, since we started the podcast. One team I have not had my ups and downs about is Colorado, um, which I don't think anybody's had their downs about. Um, you know, it, it's actually kind of funny that Sutton made the comment, or Sutter, sorry, made the comment um, about the wildcard team facing Colorado and it being a waste of eight days. 
because mm-hmm. I wonder what this series would look like if it was Calgary instead of Colorado, especially the way they played against Edmonton. Uh, you know, and, and props to Edmonton, by all means. This team has found another gear in the playoffs, uh, you know, especially their two stars. So this is going to be entertaining um, no matter which way it goes. I have Colorado in six just because I think, you know, while Edmonton can score goals and Edmonton can be flashy and play very well at times, I just – there's not a game that Colorado is going to go out there and shit the bed. Like, you look at Calgary's game one against Edmonton and they dropped, what, nine goals, eight goals, nine goals, one of the two. Yeah, I think it was nine. Um, and, you know, granted they gave up six, but – you drop nine goals, you know, in the first game, all of a sudden you're like, okay, you know, this team might be pretty fucking good. They might be finding their rhythm at the right time. And then they come out and just just shit the bed night after night after night. Um, Colorado's not going to do that. So they might not come out and drop nine goals on you, but they're going to play defense. They're going to make it hard on you to score. Um McDavid and Dreisaitl are still going to get theirs, but nonetheless, I think at the end of the day, just the the talent level overall, because you got to figure, yeah, we're talking about superstars, um, but they're only on the ice, you know, one period worth of time, uh, mm-hmm. a little more for you know, especially like McDavid and them will probably play more than twenty minutes worth of worth of ice time, but nonetheless, it's a team effort, unlike what Sutter said, and I think a Colorado overall better team, um, and it's going to show. Yeah. Um, yeah, I am, I'm super, I think I'm more so excited to watch this series than the other one. Um, just for the pure fact that you're going to have um, McKinnon versus McDavid, like two guys on the ice that can just do whatever they want with the oh, puck yeah. and just do filthy things. Um but, like, with the last one, I said it's going to come down to goaltending in a good way. This is going to come down to whichever goaltender doesn't shit the bed. Yeah. Um, like we said, Mike Smith has had that, you know, persona around him that, you know, he, A, makes really dumb plays sometimes, but, two, he just gives up goals at the worst times, uh, and he can give up a lot of them, uh, as we just pointed out. Um, Kemper hasn't had a great playoffs. Uh, he's really thrived off of his defense, but whenever the puck is in, he – his save percentage is a little worse, um, but again, he's he's facing a lot less shots. Uh, like I just, his his defense is a great job. So whatever shots do get through, it it, it could be a, a toss up really. Um, but he's not facing a lot of them. Um, he has two point four four goals allowed average uh, with a point nine zero four save percentage. Uh, Mike Smith uh, two point seven goals allowed. Uh, with a 0.927 save percentage. So, again, his save percentage is a little bit better. Um, but I, I give Colorado the edge massively on defense, especially with McCarr out there. Um, and this is a team where you disagree with Sutter. I kind of agree with him. Um, I mean, Evander Kane has stepped up in a big way, which sucks to say, but he has. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, I really feel like this team is, is just riding McDavid. Dreisaitl is back, and he, he's healthy, but I still feel like he kind of maybe a, a step off. Just, I don't know. He, he's still picking up a lot of points, but um, I don't know. I just not 100% sure on him yet. I, I just feel like, yeah, he's a great player, but I feel like he, he he's just been a little off this, this postseason. 
Um, you know, obviously, I, I know he got hurt, but I, I think that's a big reason why. Um, and so I don't know how much this team can ride McDavid, especially against Colorado. Um, Colorado can kind of spread the wealth. Uh, the, um, McKinnon, McCarr, uh, Rantanen, and Landis called four great players. Um, so I, too, picked uh, Colorado. I take Colorado in six. I think this goes six games. Um, it could easily go seven. Uh, we And we could have a series like we had in 2009 uh, with Crosby and Ovechkin trading hat tricks. I think that would be dope as shit to see McDavid and, and McKinnon. Like I said, I am super excited. If you want to see flashy, fun hockey, this is a series you got to watch. It's going to be great. Yeah, if, if you want to see – I don't want, and I don't want to say boring because – you know, both Rangers and, and Lightning have great players, but that's definitely going to be a more defensive and, and goalie battle. Whereas, like I said, this one's going to be which which goalie doesn't shit the bed. Uh, but either way, this I, is I, honestly like the two sides of hockey. Yeah, exactly. In, in these conference championships, you got the could go down the ice and create a highlight play every single time, two teams mm-hmm. facing, and then you got the more methodical move the puck, um, yeah. you know, score the the traditional hockey goals and yeah both quite honestly especially for somebody like me that's just getting into the sport like you know have their moments obviously the flashy you know sports center top 10 plays are nice mm-hmm. to see but you know those tic-tac-toes down the ice can also be pretty damn good yeah absolutely uh so that is our predictions for the nhl uh conference finals uh we will check back in on those next week uh moving on uh, we had a great golf tournament over the weekend. We had the Charles Schwab Challenge. Um, I missed the first day of it, um, but I did watch the next three days. Excuse me. I watched the next two days. I did not watch much of Sunday because uh, we're going to talk about racing here in a minute. Um, nonetheless, uh, it was a great tournament. Sam Burns was, I want to say, I, he was nine shots behind coming into Sunday. Um, shoots eight under. Uh Scotty Scheffler shoots one over. They go to a playoff. Um, I'm just going to come out and say it. I honestly, God, believe Scheffler threw the playoff. Um, it was very well documented. He had to go to his sister-in-law's wedding after this tournament. And so when he realized he didn't win, you know, in, in his normal standing and went to the playoff, I think he easily could have pushed the issue a little bit more and, and definitely forced uh, another playoff hole. Um I honestly got – I think he just – once uh, Burns hit that – I think it was like a 40-some foot putt, he saw that going. He's like, yep, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to head out. <laughs> um, but – and I don't blame – I want to make the wedding too. Probably a lot more fun. Uh, did you get to see any of the tournament? Uh, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, I got to see early on um, not a whole lot. And then uh, obviously the most important round, the last round, I was out on the lake struggling to even stream the 100. <laughs> So I, I did not get to watch. Um, I was following along as best mm-hmm. I could. I really thought, you know, come Saturday or Sunday at the latest that Scheffler was going to run away with it with the way that he played early. Um, but luckily for Burns, you know, he struggled. I, I'll call it struggled. I mean, I would love to shoot plus one. <laughs> right. But, uh, for Scotty Scheffler struggled. Um, yeah. So, you know, and, and Burns is one of those people we've talked about him. Uh, maybe not necessarily on the podcast, but like when we do our fantasy, um, you know, somebody who's had a relatively good season so far. And at the very least, it's nice to see him, you know, get a win. Maybe that'll boost his confidence and and get him back up, uh, you know, continuing to compete for those uh, 
Yeah, uh, his third win of the year now. Uh, he's putting in together a career year, which is awesome to see for him. Um, yeah, I really thought, like, Sheffer didn't start off super hot, um, but he was doing pretty decent on the front nine. I think the weather started to catch everybody out of the back nine. One of the big stories of the day, um, Harold Varner was tied for the lead at 10 under uh, going into, I, want, I think it was 11, and he then proceeded to shoot 10 over the last eight holes uh, to finish at even for the tournament. So that was horrible to see. Um, but yeah, uh, the winds really started to pick up there as, as the leaders were moving down the back nine, it just became super challenging, which is what you want to see. I mean, it's, it's obviously sucked for them because everybody else got to finish in great weather and here they are struggling to you know, make it down the back nine. Um, but it, it did make for an exciting finish. I did get to see, um, I think Scheffler got to, 17 when I had to turn it off and, and switch over to the other race. Um, even at that point, I, I thought he still had it. Um, I thought he would go regroup and, and get it. But, yeah, still a great uh, finish to that tournament there. Uh, they will head to Ohio this weekend for the Memorial Tournament, uh, which I think is it has a, a pretty stacked field. Um, some big names are, are skipping it. Uh, JT is finally taking a break uh, after his PGA Championship. Missed the cut for, I think it was the first time in 16 events now. Uh, which broke his streak, which, yeah, which sucks for him. But I mean, at the same time, he got a PGA championship out of it. So yeah. you can't complain I, too I much. Take it any day yeah. Scheffler <laughs> uh, also taking the weekend off a few other names. Um, so, but either way, the Mormon tournament is always is super fun to watch. Um, and a lot of big names will be there. So make sure you go check that out this weekend. Uh, moving on uh, last weekend, we, we touched on this, we labeled it. I labeled it. Well, I mean, other people talked about it, but on the show, I labeled it as the greatest weekend in motorsports. Um, and I saw that, you know, thrown around throughout the weekend as well. Um, in my eyes, it, it far exceeded expectations. Um, I'll talk about Monaco real quick. Like, I know you didn't get to watch much of it. Um, you, you caught some of the Indy 500. Um, Monaco race, a delayed an hour. Everybody thought it was because of the rain. And everybody is rightfully upset about that. Uh, turns out there was actually a power outage in like the, the control truck. So they couldn't control like the starting lights or like oh. any of the lights. So they had, rightfully had to delay it an hour. Yeah. What they should have done was said, hey, we had a power outage. We need to delay this race. Not just we're shutting it down for an hour. Yeah. And not like they just red flagged that they went out, they started the pace laps and they're like, yep, red flag. And everybody's like, oh, well, this is stupid. It's, it's raining. It's fine. Obviously, there was a righteous reason. Um, Ferrari completely fucks over another driver. Um, Charles Leclerc had that race in the bag, uh, dominated the first part. I know. So he started on wet tires, uh, pits for intermediates. I believe when he got into intermediate tires, he got stuck behind Alex Albon and the Williams and struggled to get around him, cost him a lot of time. Tracks started to dry out more. They come in to do pit stops. They call in Leclerc and Signs was already in the pit, so he had to wait for him. They come out to second and fourth, and then just got stuck behind the Red Bulls, couldn't make any moves around them. Um, but I thought it was very exciting because I, I, I don't want to say I fully understand pitch strategies and all that stuff, but there was definitely an excitement level to it uh, in, in watching that race. And then the leaders were right on top of each other. And at, at any point, you know, it felt like they could have just poked their head out and, and you know, passed them. Monica was super hard to pass at. There was multiple times where they went to the hairpin where Leclerc had to jump out of line because he was getting ready to run over. 
the car in front of him. Um, but great race nonetheless. Uh, then immediately we shifted over to Indy. Uh, like as soon as that race ended, like I saw the car cross the finish line, I flipped over to NBC uh, to watch the Indy 500, and they were already doing the anthem and stuff. So perfect timing, just ran up against each other. Um, in my opinion, one of the best Indy 500s I think they've had in years. It's always a great race there, especially with the current aero package. Um, I mean, 2019 with the, the duel between Rossi and Pagano to the finish, that was amazing. Um, but seeing the, the Indy at full capacity again um, was super special, and it was a great race with a lot of ups and downs. Uh, I believe it was the first pit stop. Uh, Polo and Dixon dominated the first part. Uh, they come in to start pit stops, and in the middle of pit stops, there's a wreck, so there's a caution. Polos had uh, not been able to pit yet, so he's out there still putting. I believe it was second caution, actually, or second pit stops. Uh, anyway, uh, Polo didn't get a chance to make a stop yet, and uh, you know gets caught out, has to stay out, and his almost runs out of gas. He has to come down pit road when it's closed, so that's a penalty. Goes to the back and just never really recovered from there. Um, then it looked like it was Dixon's race to lose. Nobody really had a challenge for him. Daly got up there and challenged him for a little bit, which I love to see. Um, but his car kind of faded off a little bit from there. Um, Award came up and challenged. Rosenquist came up and challenged, but nobody had anything for Dixon at all. And then on the final pit stops, Dixon comes in, gets caught speeding, goes to the back, and then it's between Award, Erickson, and Rosenquist, and it's a great race. Erickson goes flying by Award on one lap and just starts pulling away. I think it was like eight laps to go, and he was clicking off laps. He's he was gap. I think he was up to like a four second lead. Like he was just gapping the field. Oh, yeah. And Johnson bends it off a of turn two uh, into the wall. They immediately bring out the red flag, which everybody really loved. Uh, they faced a little bit of backlash. I think it was a 2021. You and I watched. Um, forget who wrecked, but they didn't throw the red flag. They just parade lapped until the end, and Sato won under caution. A lot of people didn't like that, so this time they said, okay, so they threw the red flag. Um, I agreed with the decision. The crowd went absolutely nuts. Um, they got everything cleaned up, and they did a two-lap shootout to the finish, and that was the most intense two laps I I've watched in a long time. Um, you had Award uh, throwing everything he could at Erickson. When they went into turn one, they were side by side. I thought they were crashing. I thought there was no way either one of them. I knew I knew Erickson wasn't backing out, but I was like, there's no way either one of them back out at this point. And they're going through this turn side by side, and they're, they're wrecking each other, and Rosenquist is going to win. <laughs> um, Award smartly backed out. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can leave that to debate. Should he have kept it in? Uh, I think he thought he was going to get another run, and I think he would have got it into either three or four on the last lap or, you know, coming down the front stretch. Um, after they take the white flag, they come off the two, and Sage Karam gets into the wall, uh, brings out the yellow flag again, uh, and that ends the race that time because they were on the last lap. Uh, so Marcus Erickson with a hugely, I would say, popular victory. I mean, a lot of people um, unjustly and unfairly hate on him for a lot of reasons. And I, I don't get it. I, he's a great driver. Um, he's won multiple races now and he's proving he belongs in IndyCar. You know, he's a former, former formula one driver. Uh, you can't say he, he doesn't belong there. Yeah. Um, but it was great to see him win. he had a lot of emotion, which I mean, everybody that wins that race does. Uh, and it, it was not underappreciative of it at all. 
Um, I do feel bad for him, though, because they were posting pictures still yesterday. He was walking around doing all the media stuff and everything in his race suit, which covered in milk, and he's walking around at daylight. I, I felt so bad for him. Probably smelled horrible. Um, but then we went to the Coke 600. Um, wow. I, like, I, 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 that's the only thing I can say about that race. Um, I went to that race last year, and it was the most boring goddamn race I've ever attended in person. Um, the race that you and I went to with no cautions, or excuse me, two cautions at Indy or Pocono, the Indy race at Pocono, was more entertaining than that because the fuel strategy and stuff playing out was was super cool. The race I went to last year, Larson led, I think all but sixty laps. I think they said the other night, and and won all four stages, won the race. Um, Sunday night, he had the worst night of his life. He, he even said it. Uh, started in the back, drove to the front, spun out, went to the back, pitted, had it, got uh, got a penalty, had to go to the back, worked his way up again, uh, pits, gets another penalty, uh, goes to the back, works his way up again, pits, his car catches on fire, and then they put it out again, drives up to the front, and then the last stage he was leading with, you know, up until the end he was leading. Um, Briscoe with a ridiculous – uh, again finish uh to that race that was super awesome to see um unfortunately for and he even came out and said he's like listen i i knew where the line was and i went over it and I, I just wanted to win the race and i don't blame him at all it was but the racing all night was on point i think the biggest lead at any point was like four seconds and even then it didn't last long um every time it seemed like somebody got up to the front and looked like okay i have the best car i'm going to pull away with this race um Two minutes later, they either blew a tire and were in the wall or, you know, the, the field just caught them and, and then somebody else came up to the front. Um, I was uh, at first I was super upset with NASCAR I, and, and Goodyear as a whole because uh, I know they had tire issues. I think it was two weeks ago um, and it looked like it was becoming a common theme. And somebody else made a great point. They're like, listen. It, and you could tell it wasn't every car like, yeah, a lot of cars were blistering tires and, and stuff, and that sucked. Um, and there definitely is issues Goodyear could fix, uh, but a lot of it was setup stuff. And somebody made a good point: like a lot of the cars that wrecked because of tires on Sunday night were the same cars that had issues in practice Saturday night. Now, granted, they only get twenty minutes for practice, which they need at least an hour. And I, I don't get why they don't get it, uh, but it is what it is. But nonetheless, it made for great racing uh, side by side most of the night. We had Chris Busher flipping through the infield. Uh, which is something I never saw it. I would I, something I never thought I would see at a mile and a half, uh, which was just <laughs> absurd to me. Uh, but he was okay. Again, a lot of people ripping the safety team because it, it took five minutes for him to get flipped back over onto his onto his tire so he could get out of the car. And uh, listen, I 100% agree. I am not arguing. It took too long. Something they need to keep in mind, though, this was the first time in a race we had a car flip over and they had to go out there and execute this, you know, this new maneuver with this new car um, to, you know, get car right side up and, and get the driver out safely. You don't want to get the driver out when he's upside down because undoes his belts. So he's going to fall and break his neck. Yeah. Um, and I understand they probably practice this nonstop. This is think about the first time you did anything in your life uh, that even if you practice a million times that you have to do in a pressure pack situation, you're in front of, 80,000, maybe 90,000 people. 
and you're sitting there and you have to do it perfectly and very quickly the very first time, it's not going to happen. No. Um, the, the only time you've ever done something successful, uh, the first try with a lot of pressure, or excuse me, the only time you've ever done anything quickly, the first time with a lot of pressure on you is when you lost your virginity. Okay. So just, I, like I said, I agree. It needed to be done faster. Um, but I think the safety crew still did a great job. They talked to them the whole time uh, and they did it safely. And that, that's what matters at the end of the day. Um, and then we had a great race to the finish, um, you know, two green, white checkers uh, with, I think six cars piled up on the first one. And then, uh, the second one, Bush and Hamlin drove away with it. And real quick, shout out to Kevin Harvick, uh, who, and again, nobody confirmed this. Uh, they touched on it for like five seconds in the race at the beginning. Uh, he had lost power steering. I don't know if he ever got that fixed. Uh, they had a bunch of issues on pit road, and somehow he drove up to third place and finished third. So, um, I mean, he's my favorite driver, but still, shout out to him. <laughs> uh, next week, they will be at Gateway for the first time, which I'm, I'm really excited to see that race. Uh, I've always loved gateways of track. Uh, IndyCar goes there all the time. Puts on a great show. The Bush Series used to go there. I don't think they do anymore, but I know they used to all the time, and so did the Truck Series. Um, but I'm really excited to see NASCAR take on that track. Another fun little oval. Uh, I have talked so much in the last five minutes, uh, so we're going to move on now. Um, <laughs> and it's time to talk about Nick's favorite thing, some football. Favorites is probably a little bit of a stretch, but <laughs> nonetheless, um, especially now because like I swear to God, I'm a big ball hockey and golf. Probably seventy five percent of the time, I'm away. <laughs> Specifically, golf, especially because there's like five coworkers at work who all golf. And yeah. Like every time we pass each other, we're talking about it. But nonetheless, um, it is the beginning of the summer here, so we still have a long way to go. I believe we have two months until we start our college uh, football previews. But I miss good football. You know, the USFL, the Fan Controlled Football League, whatever, um, have their moments. But I feel like I'm not alone when I say it's nothing compared to college football or the NFL. So with that being said, uh, I wanted to spark a little conversation here. Uh, we had already got Slate's picks. We'll talk about it in a, or Slate's picks. We'll talk about it in a second. But I want to know your way too early Super Bowl champion. Bears. No, I'm kidding. I went uh, way too early. Realistic. <laughs> no. uh, even as a Bears fan, I, I think that team's going to win maybe five games this year. But we'll talk about that when it's time for the season. Um, I don't know. I, I really want to say Bills um, just because I feel like they're probably a favorite. I, I don't know. It, I, for me, it's, it's really hard to pick somebody at this point. Because, like, I mean, you think about, like, all the great teams from last year. Most of them have kept a, a large chunk of their roster, but I feel like, you know, the Chiefs could come out and like only win five games, and it, like I just feel like that's the kind of year we're we're coming up for in the NFL. Um, just something a lot of change. Yeah, wilder than last year, uh, if if anything. Um, and I don't want to jinx the Bills. I really don't. <laughs> um, well, you think about it. They're, uh, you know, with the new overtime rules. I don't know if they made them official yet. But yeah, no, they are. Yeah, well, yeah, in, okay. in the po I think it's postseason only. Postseason only. Yeah. Everybody gets yeah. one possession. Yeah. So you think oh. about that, like really, that's the only difference between, I, in my opinion, them being in the Super Bowl and them not. They they still lose that game. Uh, you're probably right. Um. Listen, if if that would have been the rule last year, 
that game would have went for six hours. Yeah. Um, well, uh, so I don't know if – I mean, we'll, we'll have to look into this and talk about it more later. I don't know if it's – they keep alternating. But like, if the Chiefs score, Bills score – if the Chiefs score again, is the game over? Or do they keep going? I, which I believe it's it's if they both score, whoever scores next wins. Um, nonetheless, I I still think they lose that game um, just because the defense. I am gonna go. I'll go with the Chargers. I think they made a lot of great offseason moves. Um, I think they were one stupid call away from making the playoffs last year and probably making a decent run in the playoffs. Um, with their head coach decided to call a timeout for no reason when the Raiders were like, okay, let's tie. And we both go to the playoffs and they're like, nope, timeout. The Raiders are like, okay, fuck you. We're going to win then. Um, so yeah. So I, I think if their coach can rely, and he won't, but if he can rot, rely a little less on the analytics, because I, I feel like that, that was their, their biggest problem is he would just stare at the stats the whole time. Like, okay, this is what we need to do. And it's like, you also need to have a feel for like, Stats, analytics, everything is great. At some point, you need to have a feel for the game itself, too. And, okay, this is what we need. This is what, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but, yeah, I'll, I'll take the Chargers. That's not a bad pick, uh, for sure. I, I think Justin Herbert uh, takes another huge leap. Uh, they've added a lot in the offseason, uh, as well as a couple other teams in their division. That division could very well uh, hold the Super Bowl winner. I definitely won't doubt on you in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am going to go with the Bills. Uh, I've been with them for the last two years. Again, I do agree with you um, with the way their defense was struggling uh, to cover the Chiefs. They probably do still go on to lose that game. Um, but nonetheless, how many defenses don't struggle with yeah. you know trying to hold that Chiefs team together now? Obviously, they don't have Tyreek Hill anymore, which I think is definitely a huge loss for them. You think about, you know, I have this argument with people all the time. Oh, everybody says, oh, Tyreek Hill is a top three wide receiver in the NFL. He's not, plain and simply. He's fast as hell. Yes, he can catch. But let's be honest, if you take 0.2 seconds off of his 40 time, completely different wide receiver. Um, He, you know, lives off of burning people. And yes, he can get the ball in short field and make people miss and whatnot, but that's yeah. not the point I'm getting. Um, nonetheless, uh, the Bills, you know, their defense was obviously good. It's been good. Um, the offense continues to make strides. Um, I, I think they need a more solid running back, but nonetheless, and, and maybe, you know, a little extra help on the wide receiver side now. Uh, Davis, you know, has gotten better, uh, especially last year. He made a big leap. But, you know, a little bit of something to help Diggs out wouldn't hurt. But, um, you know, the Von Miller signing, I they're going to regret it eventually. Um, you know, but if he can do what they're asking him to do, which is come in on third downs and create pressure, which at 33 years old, he's still able to do. Um, yeah. You know, props to him by all means. I, I don't know if I'll be able to run a 40 at 33 years old, but. <laughs> Um, I can't. I can barely run a forty now. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, I run at the bridge and I'm tired. But nonetheless, um, you know, pressuring the quarterback. I don't want to necessarily say it was a glaring issue for the Bills, uh, but there were times when you they needed to get pressure and they weren't. Yeah. So 
I think he makes a huge difference in that. Their secondary is great, um, you know, which obviously will benefit from Von Miller being there. And quite honestly, they've been close the last two years. Uh, the Chiefs have, Chiefs have kind of been their kryptonite, and I personally think they took a step back. So I, I'm picking them because, in my opinion, it's this year bust for the Bills. Um. Yeah, and like I said, I'm not disagreeing with you. It's just I don't want to take them because I know I'll drink them, and I would really like to see them win the Super Bowl. Oh, they uh, win the Super Bowl. I already told my boy I'm going through pay. Oh, we, we had that agreement last year, remember? Yeah, uh, oh, yeah we did. Anyway, um, the last thing I want to say about the Chiefs, I feel like one as a whole, and we're going to talk about Slade's uh, Super Bowl pick here in a second. Uh, we'll, next week, we'll have him elaborate on it. Um, but with the AFC West, it has become the most stacked division in the NFL. I think the Chiefs are the most likely team in that division to miss the playoffs. Uh, and I like we're going to talk so much more about, you know, the NFL uh, come preseason time and stuff. Biggest reason why is, one, they lost their obvious, arguably one of their biggest players. Um, two, I feel like as a whole – well, I mean, actually, you think to the defense too. They lost Tyran Matthew, who – Carry that defense most of the time last year. Oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I feel like they lost way too many key pieces, and I feel like they have arguably the toughest schedule in the NFL. Um, but like I said, we'll, we'll talk about that more. Um, we're actually we're planning out our future episodes as we speak. Um, so when it's, when it's NFL season preview time, definitely get into that more. Um, real quick, Slate's pick, uh, he took the Broncos. Uh, again, I don't hate that pick. I feel like their offense last year was a quarterback away from competing for a playoff spot. Um, obviously, they don't have Von Miller still, uh, which hurts their defense. But their defense was actually still, I feel like, really good even without him last year once he left. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I, I don't hate his pick. I, uh, I think there's better picks out there. But, like I said, I feel like next year is – like this year was crazy. And, you know, we had so many storylines and so much stuff happened. I feel like this year it's just going to get kicked in the overdrive and it's going to be a lot crazier. So who knows? The Broncos could very well go on and win a damn Super Bowl. Um, it very well could be. My, my biggest question mark with that, and I didn't want to start him with it. We'll get, we'll get to it, uh, you know, when the time comes. But, um, but for instance, I, the Washington Commanders were a team that were in the Russell Wilson sweepstakes, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And people would ask me, like, oh, how do you feel about Russell Wilson? Now, mind you, he was an upgrade from Taylor Heineke, one way or the other. Love Heineke, love his heart, but heart only gets you so far. So he was <laughs> an upgrade. I would have taken um, But he wasn't my favorite uh, quarterback that was available to us at the time. Yeah. Um, and it's no hate on him necessarily. He's had a great career. Um, you know, he's very smart. But you look at now – I'll elaborate on the Broncos wide receivers here in a minute, but he struggled. I know he dealt with his injury and stuff, but even before the injury, he struggled with Tyler Lockett and DJ Metcalf or DK Metcalf. I should say. Um, and uh, again, even before the injury, and those were players that he's used to playing. He had mm-hmm. played with them for a couple of years now, um, you know, and mind you, it wasn't all him and, and, and them, but uh like I said, I'll elaborate on that comparison of the Broncos wide receiver core. I think the Broncos wide receiver core could be 
one of the most dangerous in the NFL, especially if Wilson can get back even to 80% of what we've mm-hmm. seen Wilson be in the past. Um, but from what I've seen from them so far, and again, they've been missing a QB, so it's hard to tell exactly what, what they're working with in there. Um, but I don't see a single wide receiver in that group that can be compared to, say, DK Metcalf. Now, yeah. you know, again, we haven't seen a whole lot. There's definitely room for improvement there. They could be hiding something. I, I don't get, like, every time somebody talks about the Broncos wide receivers, they bring up Patrick. I'm like, he's not even that good. Like, he's just a veteran. And it, if I'm Drew Locke or I'm somebody else, like, he's probably going to be the guy I throw the ball to. Um, but he doesn't blow you away with anything. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know. I, I am – I've been very excited about that wide receiver room um, for the past – Two years, um, so I'm excited to see if if Russ can, you know, bring it all together and, and make them look good. They got the running backs, um, yeah. like you said, the defense looked good. You know, so I don't hate the pick either, but there's definitely some some question marks in there. We'll, that, we'll have to see too if, if how much trouble Jerry Judy gets in, and and if he's playing this year, how many games he plays, etc. Um, yeah, definitely we're getting closer and closer to football season with every week. Um, and we are definitely excited for that. Uh, moving on, it is time for the top five this week. Uh, went with food because I was hungry when I made this. Um, shocking. Some of our best top fives have been. Too. Yeah. Uh, so top five this week is what is your go-to concession item whenever you're at a sporting event? Um, we'll, it's like gave us his top five. We'll read it here for you. Number five, uh, he has a snow cone slash dipping dots, which I feel is an elite pick. Um, Love me some good dipping dots. I don't oh, care yeah. if I don't care if Steve Storm thinks I'm a loser uh, for liking dipping dots. And they uh, might be expensive for a little bowl. Yeah, uh, right but snow cone too. I mean, snow cone is is something that is at every sporting event from high school until the day you die. Um, well, not even like at a high school event, I should say. Uh, I mean, obviously you can get a snow cone whenever you want as a kid, but nonetheless, um, what's your favorite flavor of snow cone? So. I can't even tell you what like the actual flavor is, mm-hmm. but it's um, Tiger's Blood. Okay, that I that is a good the one. Actual flavors are in it. Yeah, watermelon is probably my favorite. Water, watermelon and root beer is up there for me too. Like I love root beer, but a good root beer snow cone, I feel like is like just just tickles okay. your tonsils. And I wouldn't necessarily say that like Tiger's Blood is like my favorite. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's as far as flavor goes, but it's the one that I know if I go to a snow cone stand that I've never been to before that I can get it and I will enjoy it. Right. Okay. Uh, continue with Slade's list here. Uh, number four, he has fries, just fries, uh, which, I mean, I, I love me a good uh, French fry. Uh, number three, he got very specific here. Uh, he said beer, but it needs to be in a plastic cup, not in a can. He hates canned beer at, at sporting events. Um, he, he loves it out of a plastic cup. Oh, yeah. Uh, number two, he has a hot dog, and number one, he has nachos. Uh, so, Nick, real quick, what's your top five here? Yes, yeah, so a lot of similarities. So, number five, I had a hot dog with chili. Yeah, um, you stole that from me, but yeah. I did, because, like, because <laughs> I told you, uh, I felt like the hot dog had to be on the list just because you think yeah. of, like, ballpark, you think of hot dogs. But hot dogs with chili are probably one of my favorite foods, like, in general, every, every time I go to Sheets, that's what I like to get. Even though I know I'm gonna pay for it, but I just yeah. Sheets dog with chili. It's just mm. 
or like uh, uh, rudders, which we're probably talking about shit that people who listen to this might not know about. Um, but we, we have they, five listeners. They all live in Pennsylvania. They know what she's yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but uh, they do that two for one or two for two. Yeah. Or whatever the hell that it is. Oh my god, they're funnel cake fries. I that's I I miss I miss Rudder so much down here just because like I I just want funnel cake fries. Right. All right. Um. My number four, I put popcorn slash kettle corn because uh, it kind of okay. depends on the mood. But um, I'm a big fan of kettle corn. But I re- all places. I don't hate kettle corn, but it's it's definitely not my go-to. But I do love a good tub of popcorn when you're sitting there, especially at like ba- I feel like baseball is it's better suited for because baseball you can sit there and just relax yeah. and enjoy the game. Whereas football, you're kind of like let's like it's it's yeah. more intense i guess but anyway i'm sorry i keep i keep derailing you here no no that's all right i mean we're supposed to conversate um number three i also stole this from you pretzels with cheese i only stole it from you because i didn't even think about it at the time but as soon as i seen it on your list i was like oh shit i gotta put that in there because like that's another thing like uh our high school football games um when i was going to them before i started playing you know they had the pretzels with cheese Mm -hmm. and i don't know what cheese they use but it was good. I like I like my cheese. I don't like just plain like nacho cheese. I like it to yeah. have a little spice in it, a little yeah. a little something in it. See, like for me, like I so like I love pretzel. Like if it has a nacho cheese, fine. That's what I eat. Uh, if they have like the the spicy brown mustard, I like that too. That's good. If I go to an event, and we kind of touched on this with like uh, the Orioles having like a, a crab pretzel, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't have anything else on it, if it has a cheese baked onto the pretzel. I will go bankrupt buying everything that you have in stock because that like pretzels with cheese is good. Pretzels with baked cheese is God tier. But yeah, anyway, we're going to have to do a top five cheeses. And stuff. So, oh yeah. Cheese is great. But nonetheless, uh, my number two, I added a little bit to uh, one of Slade's picks. Um, I said chicken tenders with fries. I like my fries with vinegar and old yes. day, by the way. Yes. I'm just plain. Um, it's the way real I, Americans do it. And people that don't know what Obey is, they, one, you need to get it, but two, you're missing out because yeah, like we grew up close enough to Maryland that we just throw Old Bay on shit. Um, it is what it is. You can't go wrong. I've never yeah. put Old Bay on something and been like, man, this sucks. Um, but I, I'm not typically just like just a fry getter. I yeah. typically like whether it's little league games, whether it's uh, you know professional sports. If I see chicken tenders and fries on the menu, there's a good chance I'm gonna cop it. One, because it's usually the cheaper option, and mm-hmm. two, like. I've never been anywhere and got bad chicken tenders. So. The, the one I've grown up, I used to only get fries, but it was usually like the carnivals where they had like, it was literally just fries. It oh, was like yeah. Brickers fries. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah, Brickers like, yeah. yeah. But it, like, I mean, if it just sells fries, Hey, I'm fine with that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, nine times out of 10, most places don't just like, you can probably just get a basket of fries, but like they sell other stuff there. Yeah. But yeah. Speaking of like sheets, since we were talking about sheets, they have that bucket of fries. Oh my God, that is clutch. When I was in high school, oh, I couldn't tell you how many buckets I put down, but yeah. Nonetheless, um, number one, uh, I I put nachos with cheese, but I I'm more of a nacho supreme kind of guy. I love me some jalapenos okay. and a little bit of salsa, but there's nothing wrong with sitting there and just eating some nachos and cheese. No. And I, I don't know. It's just it's just one of those things that it's kind of boring if you think about it, but it's so good it just brings happiness to me now i will say um some places will serve you some soggy ass nachos yeah huge turn off but the majority of the time they're fresh and and yeah like if if you give me like pre-made nachos like they already put the cheese on there and stuff 
it needs to be like shredded cheese that they drizzled on top and then put all the other toppings in there. That's fine. If you just hand me a basket of nachos with cheese already on it, and it's just like the like the the pump nacho cheese or like the like the Velveeta mix they just have in a tub back there, they pour it on and hand it to you. I hate that because that's when it instantly becomes soggy. Oh yeah. But yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you there. Uh my top five. So in fifth place, I have beer. I'll take beer of any kind uh, at, a, at a game. The reason I have it so low at five, and, and you left it off, is one, it's overpriced. But two, not everywhere sells it. Like, especially, like, if you go to college football games, not every college has it. Um, we were talking Penn State doesn't sell beer at games, uh, stuff like that. So that's why I have it so low at five. But I do love me a good, good beer when we go to a game. Uh, number four, I have pretzels with cheese. Uh, again, if it's baked on, it instantly becomes number one. Uh, not too many places do that, though. So we're at four with that. Number three, a uh, hot dog with chili. Um, again, can't go wrong with a good chili, chili cheese dog. Uh, number two, I have chicken tenders with fries. Um, again, like you said, it's, it's most likely the cheapest option there. And if you go to an event and, like, I mean, especially baseball stadiums now, like, just about every stadium has its own um specialty item or, or, or whatever you want to call it um and listen i would love to try them but sometimes you go somewhere and you're like i don't know what i want to get chicken tenders with fries is just like the, the safest most obvious choice and way to go uh and number one is nachos um i don't think i've ever had a bad nacho at any sporting event and it's i feel like it's, it's right there in, in price comparison the chicken tenders like if so if i walk out into the concourse and whatever first place i see if it has chicken tenders, I'll get that. If it has not, I feel like they, they sell both, but and sometimes I'll get both. I don't care. Oh, yeah. um, but it's oh my god, especially if you take the chicken tender and you dip it in the nacho cheese, that is mm, superb. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so now I think that we a little bit of a nostalgia with the chicken tenders and fries. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't do it at restaurant. Like I mean, unless. Yeah. But oh, like, that irritates the shit out of me. Yeah. Like if I can, if we can go somewhere and you can get like a nice juicy steak or even like a nice juicy burger yeah. and you order fucking chicken tenders. Now listen, like you're if, if you're old with a kid menu, if you're doing it for, for cost reasons, that's one thing. That, um, that is, but yeah, no, yeah, I agree with you. The only time it's acceptable to get chicken tenders in public is if you're at Chick-fil-A or at like Buffalo wild wings and you get boneless wings, which are basically chicken tenders. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if if you go out to Chili's and now listen, you can get the, the tray, the barbecue tray and get the, the chicken tenders on there with your barbecue, too. That's fine. I don't hate you. Don't just yeah. get the, the, the kids or like a tenders. like an appetizer sampler or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. But if yeah. your entree at any place other than a fucking chicken restaurant is chicken tenders, I'm not taking that food. Yeah. Yeah. Not out there. Um, so now that we made ourselves hungry, I think it's time to wrap up the show. Um. But thank you guys so much for checking us out this week. Um, I hope Slade is enjoying his lovely night at work. Um, and he missed a lot of fun. Um, he did. But it's okay. He'll he'll listen. He'll come back next week. He'll explain to us why he thinks the Broncos are going to the Super Bowl. Um, like I said, we're, we're getting so close to football season. We can't wait to talk about that. But before we get there, we have the rest of uh, NHL playoffs to get through, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, but nonetheless, like I said, thank you guys so much for checking this out. As always, please go follow our social medias. Subscribe to our YouTube. Um, we are working. Nick has a baby on the way. I just got married. Just had my honeymoon. 
Slade's getting a new job. Yeah, our our lives are crazy, but we do have a ton of fun content planned that we want to bring you guys. Um, So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of that, as well as you don't miss any of our weekly podcasts. Um, We would love for you guys to stick with us. I mean, we're going to have a lot of fun this summer, but when we get to football season, I feel like this podcast is just going to go up to the next level, uh, and it's going to be a lot more fun. Um, But uh, like I said, socials, go follow, like. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube. I think that's it. I believe so. Okay. Well, in I, that case, I think we're still in the process of working on a new merch store, but I, we, we are talked about it in a little yeah. while. So. <laughs> we, we we sat down. We had a discussion. Like, hey, we need to get together and like talk about a new merch line. And we're like, okay, let's do it. And then we just have not done that yet, but we will. Yeah. Again, uh, our lives are crazy. But yeah. We'll but yeah, crazy lives, but crazy fun on the way uh, to bring to you guys, and we are super excited. Uh, yeah we'll see you guys next week uh we're gonna go eat some chicken tenders with some nachos and uh go watch some ballpark yeah uh go watch some uh hockey and some basketball but uh we will see you guys next week see you guys